All right, shall we? Uh, Sarah, why don't you lead us off? So, Coach Lasso, you finally won your first match. How's it feel? Well, Sarah, I believe you can outscore your opponent and still lose, just like he can score less than them and win. But last week, we definitely won, which is pretty darn fun. <laughs> All right, uh, next question. Uh, Hello, and welcome to a special Patreon episode of Biscuits with the Boss. What? That's right. We are doing a Ted Lasso podcast. Uh, this is going to show up on the Set Lusting Bruce feed. It's going to set up on the South Media, South, easy for me to say, Southgate Media feed. Uh, this is an excuse for me and a couple of my best friends to get together and talk about one of the best shows ever made. And this is two of the three of us. I think maybe all three are huge Aaron Sorkin fans. And so we still give praise. I am Jesse Jackson. And joining me tonight is Tom Zoller and David Miller. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I think we're all big Aaron Sorkin fans. And so, uh, and, and so, you know, by far, Sports Night and West Wing and everything else he's done, I loved. But uh, I just have this, I don't know why, but I just have this great affection for Ted Lasso. Well, I mean, when, when I first watched Ted Lasso, I mean, if anyone asked me what my favorite TV show of all time is, it's the West Wing, period, end of story. That's yeah. mine. That is my answer always. But man, I watched that first season of Ted Lasso and it was, yeah, Ted Lasso is my favorite comedy of all time. Yes. It was real hard. It was real hard not to say that it's my favorite of all time. So I had to put that comedy caveat to it. Yeah, um, Aaron Sorkin is one of the ways Tom and I uh, bonded. We were, he was um, a guest at a comic book convention in New Orleans and I was a attendee. And I went by his booth and we ended up talking, you know, sports night and Aaron Sorking and mm -hmm. just we bonded. And so that's it. Uh, so anyway, I I'm excited. Uh, why don't we start out, Tom, tell us our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you found the show. Uh, well, I am a comic book artist and writer. I do a comic called Love and Capes. Uh, along the way, I've done stuff for Webtoon, like Warning Label, and Cupid's Arrows. I've worked on the My Little Pony comic. I've written for the Spider-Man cartoon and for Saint Seiya. Um, yeah, and I just draw and write for a living, uh, which is especially interesting in these times. Uh, and that's kind of how I found the show. Um, I'm when I'm when I'm working. I listen to podcasts, and one of the podcasts I listen to is this one called Upgrade with uh, Jason Snell, where they talk about Apple stuff. Because I'm an Apple nerd artist. I I work with Apple stuff all the time. And they were talking about Ted Lasso being out and there was no part of seeing a show based on an NBC commercial that made me say I needed to see it. And then I kept hearing how good it was and I had some free time and I decided to check it out. And then it was Katie bar the door because I just didn't look back. Uh, I think I had waited till the entire season was done. Um, and I consciously remember parsing the episodes out because I wound up liking them so much that I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to binge it. I wanted to savor it. You know, and you've had a history like of fish out of water, like, cause wasn't there the Canadian Mountie show. Do South, you, yes. Yeah. Do South that you were a big fan of. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, David, how about you? 
Mine is a little different. So I, uh, I'm not a huge Jason Sudeikis fan or certainly wasn't before this. Um, you know, he did a, he did a movie where the Millers. And yes. His name was David Miller. And so people were like, Oh, you must really love. No, I don't. I <laughs> yeah. wasn't, you know, just wasn't a huge fan. I've, I've seen a lot of his work, but just wouldn't have called myself a fan. And there happened to be a, there's a critic that I like uh, drew McWeeny and he was writing about Ted Lasso. And I just really had no interest. Like, like Tom said, no, no real interest in a, in a show about, uh, that came from a a commercial. I remembered the commercials and I thought, man, this is just going to suck. There is no way this is going to be any good. And I found myself one night, uh, I was sitting at home. My wife was doing something in the, in the dining room. I had nothing to do. And I was like, I just happened to turn on the TV. Apple plus was on and it was Ted Lasso. And I said, okay, I'm going to click it. I'm going to give this one episode a shot. And I turned it on and within five minutes, something happened in the show and I started laughing hysterically and my wife stopped what she was doing and was like, what are you doing? And I kept rewinding this one scene over and over and over and watching it. And that's, that's when I knew I was hooked. And that was, I think at that point, maybe five episodes were out. So I watched all five episodes that first evening and then started watching it each week. Yeah, so I had similar thing. I had heard a lot of good things. Um, I had bought Apple for For All Mankind because I love Ron Moore and uh, the idea of this alternate timeline where Russia got to the moon first really fascinated me. And so I had not watched anything, but once again, critics kept saying, this is great. Now, I'm, I don't like... Um, sometimes, um, you know, TV shows that are uh, where the main character is dumb, you know, like I'm not a fan of Anchorman. I'm not a fan of, you know, these kind of movies a lot. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be dumb. And so I start watching it and I go, wait a minute. He's pretty smart. I mean, he, you know, he comes across as very discerning, you know, and kind of very non, like kind of just very, not country, but very just simple and direct, but he's actually very smart. And um, I've often said that I would love to see um, the coach from Friday Night Lights and him at a, you know, that would be, you know, they're, they're attending some kind of conference together and they end up having beers. Um, so I, you know, I did because everything had done, this was on a Sunday, I started watching and I stayed up to like past midnight, even though it was a school night, you know, because I just had to see the end of the series. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, and, you know, we've talked about it, um, you know, then, then Linda watched it, you know, and then Chris came and watched it. So, you know, and the show much like a lot of Aaron Sorkin work it leads itself to re-watching it wouldn't you guys sure. agree yeah for sure yeah I rewatched it with my girlfriend because she was mad because apparently a British show about soccer was something I should have waited for um, <laughs> I I didn't realize that 
Um, But when we did watch it, I was surprised at how much stuff is layered in and how much stuff just really pays off so well. Yeah, it's things that are things that happen in the first or second or third episode then pay off in the eighth, ninth, and tenth episode, and it's so brilliant. And you know, to Jesse's point, that's that's very much like a, a Sorkin thing right there to to put something in, or you know, I don't, I guess half the time Sorkin probably never never realized what he was doing, but he definitely laid those those crumbs to come back and get it later. And that's, you know, I feel like the the writers for Ted Lasso they know exactly what they're doing, they know exactly where they're going, and they don't they don't. There's not a lot of throwaway. There's not a lot of filler. It's it's all really tightly contained, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah they're I, very disciplined. Yeah, I do. Uh, and like, I guess um, I've seen a couple of interviews where uh, Jason Sudeikis and says, you know, we have the high points, like we know, and then we the writers' room fills in the the lines. Um, what I'm impressed with, and Tom, you, you, I'll put you on the spot, right? What there is, and you may not remember, but there, there is this rule, right? About two female characters talking to each other and not about a man. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. The Bechtel rule. Yeah. You know, this passes that very easily because Mm -hmm. the, the, um, Keely and Rebecca quickly became one of my favorite relationships, you know, where they just, they have become really good friends. Yeah, they do a really good job with that. I think the first time we really see them interact, it probably breaks the rule because they're yeah. talking about dating footballers. Right. Um, but even the, the first time they, they see each other, it is very much a woman supporting woman because she's showing Rebecca how to stand. Yes, uh, which I thought was really like I I just thought that was such a nice little moment, and there are so many that build yeah. on that to the point that Rebecca doesn't have to be convinced that Keely is good at what she does when she brings her in. Like it just seems like a natural outgrowth, and not we have this character we don't know what to do. How are we going to fit them in? Like it, it I mean, I I'm sure it was planned because, like we said, there Sorkin makes things look like everything was planned. Um, and I think he's a lot more improvisational where these guys very clearly know what they're doing. And I, I think you see that in their relationship and it's just, it's just amazing how well those two characters support each other. David, any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, in, in that case, I, I think you, you specifically talk about Keely and Rebecca, which is a great relationship, but then any interaction almost between any character becomes something that you're, you're so interested in give me higgins and rebecca give me give me beard and jane give me it it doesn't matter who it is for some reason whenever whoever is taking center stage at that moment is just in it is is so fun to watch and you know a lot of times you'll be watching a show and you'll be bored by what you'll think is the the b or c or d plot and every time they switch here, it's like, ooh, what do we get to see now? And and what's going to happen? And I, I just love it. You know, um, I'll, I'm apologizing in advance, David, because Tom and I have spent hours um, working comic booths together when he's working. <laughs> and so a lot of these things that we have a history on, but one of the things that... Um, it, often in comic book movies or comic book series is the male lead and the female lead has to be 
the same thing. And for example, Tom, I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Your thought about like Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Like if you making, were doing this. Yeah, making Sue Storm a scientist is boring because she's the third smartest member of that cast after Reed and Doom. Whereas if you made her a businesswoman, that's something neither of those guys are doing well and that would be interesting. So kind of the same way, I like that everybody in Ted Lasso is they have something they bring to the table and it's not what the other people bring to the table. I mean, Lasso and Beard kind of overlap because they're both coaches, but at no point can Rebecca coach the team and Ted isn't a marketing guy. And actually Rebecca is not a marketing person. She needs Keely and, you know, everybody's got, everybody's got a thing that they do that only they can do. Well, that's one thing about, like you just mentioned Beard and, and Ted being so, so close, they're both coaches, but you know, one of the things that I read was really how Ted, I guess, uh, call him the leader, but but he wouldn't be able to do it without Beard. Beard fills everything in, boasts him, builds him up, and that's that's really his responsibility. He couldn't, he wouldn't be able to take that lead like Ted, but mm-hmm. Ted wouldn't be able to do it without him either. And so that's to your point. I think that that shows that relationship as well. Yeah, you almost see Ted as the recruiter, big picture guy, and Beard, the, you know, the detailed kind of doing, and you see that when he goes, what you, what do we got, coach? Oh, there's speed, a lot of speed, you know. A lot of speed. Yeah, they're, they're fast, <laughs> you know, and, and he, um, you know, is studying all the books on, you know, European well, yeah. soccer. His first introduction, you, he's sitting yeah. there and he's reading that book, you know, the, yeah. the inverted pyramid or whatever it was, and, and yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Go ahead, Tom. It's kind of a, a Star Trek thing where Beard uh, laughs as the captain and he doesn't necessarily know how to execute everything he's trying to do, but he knows what he wants to do. And then it's Beard's job to make it happen. Yeah, and, and I, I really love that. And I do love that. Um, and once again, it seems like, you know, Keeley is this social media influencer and all of a sudden you you find out she's really good at this and she's really smart. And now then they've, you know, as we get into the second season, they've given her an official role, uh, which is pretty slick. Um, so let's move into the second season. Um, I'd like us just to go around the table, maybe just a couple of sentences, your initial thoughts on the season. And we'll start with you, Tom. Um, I, I like it a lot. Um, I was terrified about it because I wanted it to be awesome like the, the first season. Um, the one thing, it, it feels uneven, but one of the things I read on Twitter from the guy who plays Coach Beard is that they thought they were going to drop all three episodes at once. And that makes a difference because by the end of the third episode, it feels like the last one felt. And that is a, that's a high bar to achieve to, to have this perfect thing and then start doing it again. David? Yeah, I mean, just, just what Tom said. I mean, with the expectation that they thought that you were going to be able to see all three, because at first, you know, you're, you're one of my favorite characters from season one is, is Nate the Great, and he's not so great in these, in these first episodes. And, in fact, on Twitter today, I put hashtag make Nate great again to all Ted Lasso fans. And, and then it just happened right before this. I was looking on Twitter and Nate Muhammad has obviously been getting some flack for the, for the portrayal and was like, I can't really say much, but just keep watching. 
And the first comment was from somebody was like, I love Nate in the first season, but I hate him now. And Bill Lawrence, one of the, one of the producers was like, good, you're supposed to. So yeah, that was, that's pretty great. Yeah. I, I felt like it's, they've got off the, and you know, I felt right back at home. Um, I, I, you know, I liked, uh, we're going to talk about Dr. Sharon and Nora, but I, I really like the idea of bringing in someone that's kind of immune to Ted's charms. And so I think that was an interesting discussion. So I've been very happy, um, a little sad because last time I was able to binge all in a row and now then I'm having to do, you know, every week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, Stuck like I, us schmucks that found it, found it pretty yes, soon, you know, absolutely. and that's one of those things. That's a, that's a thing that, that Twitter, you still see people every day that are posting like, you know, I'm late to the party or I just found it or whatever, man, it just, it actually, it's one of those things where the, the bandwagon is not long enough. You're welcome at any time. You know, and um, huge Emmy nominations, all richly deserved. And, and it just does seem like that, you know, they've, you know, they got lightning in a battle. And I think your Tom's point is like, you know, I, I remember um, going to see the first Star Trek, you know, uh, the motion picture and like, please be good, please be good. It, it was still Star Trek and I was happy, but it wasn't like Star Trek two with the wrath of Khan. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. Okay. This was what I was wanting. And so you are going, Oh, you know, please there not be no software joke jinx, no software jinx. And instead they, I think they really know, they know their characters and they know the story and uh, we're going to go, what we kind of, I, I thought we'd decide or kind of talk about characters and Ted, Coach Beard, and Nate. And I, I agree. I do not like Nate, but I think it's an interesting character arc that being the underdog, being the afterthought, and Ted has helped him rise. It is, it is like a freshly um, recovering alcoholic or someone who's lost a ton of weight, or, you know, reformed smoker, all of a sudden, they're, they, 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 they can't resist telling about and talking about, and Nate is just horrible to the new kid guy. Right. Go ahead, David. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's, I guess it's one of those things where I'm, I'm, I, I felt like even from the first moment when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's what this character arc is going to be. That's what's going to be this season because I, and, and I mean, I get it from a storytelling standpoint. I understand it. I know obviously there needs to be a redemption arc and God, I pray that there, that there is, but also I'm, I'm kind of sad that they had to go that way because that seems like that's the one thing to me that on this show seems like a traditional trope. Whereas you don't always, you don't, you always think that it's going to spin a different direction. Well, in this case, if it spins a different direction and there is no redemption, then I'm really going to be upset. So yes. I'm hoping that there is a redemption arc. Yeah. Tom? See, I think you're all wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> I Because Ted Lasso has been so good at delivering nuanced stories, I don't think this is the corruption or the failure of Nate. I think there is a stressor we don't know about yet. Like, it, I'm not... I don't know what it is, but I think it's something like he 
and this isn't going to line up. I'm just using it as a, for instance, mm. that he knows how much financial trouble the team's in. And that's why he is being so aggressive to the kit man and why he's being so overly concerned about. I, I just think that there's something that's happened that we don't know about that's causing him to act this way, that when he does, it will make a lot more sense and that it won't have been the proper reaction, but it will be a reaction that we will go, oh, now I see how he got there rather than just him like being at the top of the mountain and treating people the way people treated him. Right. Oh, I like that twist. I would really like that a lot if that's the yeah. case. I, Because I, I do think that would, would pay off well and would also agree that they don't go the normal route right mm -hmm. like like you i know i was shocked when i saw that you know the first season ted and his wife and you know i i really like that actress who played his wife and you're like oh wait a minute they're breaking up and then she breaks your heart when she's like i i'm I'm going to get that feeling again. I, I pray every morning I'm going to wake up and feel for you the way I used to. And your heart breaks for her and him. So, and that was a little bit different. So I like that about Nate a lot. Um, I do thought it was a great line when Nate says, yeah, you don't want somebody in here undermining everyone and destroying morale. And Ted and Beard kind of look at each other like, oh, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't realize mm -hmm. this, does he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a good that was a good moment right there for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So Ted seems to be a little more comfortable. So uh, David, start about Ted. What's what's your thoughts on Ted in this second season? You know, you say he seems more comfortable, and I'm not certain about that. I think that interaction with Dr. Sharon and and has kind of thrown him off his game. And and you know, he he's joking about this this streak of draws and yeah. and how he's not bothered by it. But I I think you know he wants to win, and I think I think that that does bother him. Um, and you know, we 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 can't assume, and we I think I think no one does assume that he's really over that divorce and and everything right. else. He's he's kind of shown some of that. So I, I think just looking at it, I think that his journey is is still very much continuing and and we're not so far away from him you know breaking down at the nightclub and having a panic attack we're not we're not that far away and so i don't know i don't know any reason why we wouldn't potentially see another one of those um yeah and when i said more comfortable i felt as a as the coach in in that role mm -hmm. i do believe that uh dr sharon has really kind of upset the mm -hmm. apple cart so to speak he you know um so um, how about you, Tom? Thoughts on Ted? Yeah, I, when the first episode started, it was kind of like the um, Fletch zippity doodah scene in Fletch 2. Like everything's yeah. going perfectly. Like they're not winning, but it's the exact environment in which all these characters want. And right. they've become comfortable, but they've also achieved a sort of state, uh, homeostasis. homeostasis. Um, and what we see, so he's comfortable then, and then and then Doc shows up and throws everything off. What I particularly like about what they're doing, though, is that Ted knows he's bothered by it. It's not Ted acting jealous and other people realizing it and Ted not. Ted is very um, in conversations. Jesse has heard me say about other things like I don't I know I know this is affecting my decisions. I just can't tell how it's affecting my decisions. Like you can see that there is a thumb on the scale and he can see it, but he can't see his way clear through it 
Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really interesting and very realistic take to, to take with Ted. Yeah. yeah he's self-aware. I'm sorry. But, no, but no, yeah, go he's ahead, self-aware self enough to know, okay, I'm, I'm struggling with this, but he can't really understand why he doesn't think it's jealousy. He doesn't think that it's that kind of instance, but maybe it is, maybe it just hasn't all come through, but he's self-aware enough to know there's a problem but I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I do think, you know, in my mind, it is a little bit to do with, um, you know, he talked about the therapist that, you know, the marriage counselor they went to and, um, and, and also I think, you know, last season, um, both in the show and the football season, you know, he fought so hard to get the team to be united and now then that it is there, um, you know, he's worried about anything upsetting it. But I think that was a great line when Dr. Sharon says, you know, everyone seems to respect each other. Everyone seems to enjoy each other. And, you know, and so Ted's like, oh, so it's one of those, if it's not broke, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And she goes, well, you know, so many set ties, is that not broken? And uh, I thought gave him the idea like, well, maybe I do need to shake things up. And then, you know, we see Jamie coming back. Tom, thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I like Dr. Sharon yet, but I don't think I'm supposed to. She is very much in a different show than everybody else's. It's like um, years ago, uh, the first 13 episodes of Carolyn in the City. Every actor on that show thought they were on Frasier and Leah Thompson was acting like she was on Gilligan's Island. And kind of the same way, like Dr. Sharon is very serious and very dry and not amused. And that's not the world these characters live in. So it's going to be interesting to see that bounce off each other. I, I think she's, she's a good add to the team because it causes stress in all sorts of weird ways. And I think that it puts conflict in without necessarily doing it externally like they realize they have a problem and they're trying to fix it and i like that i like that we see her give especially early on where she says you know you can call me doc yeah. um where she she doesn't have to win every fight she does they're not making her superior to ted they're putting them both in a position where it feels like they're going to find some sort of mutual respect or they're going to figure out how to work with each other yeah, I loved her line about Prince of Tides, you know, that that's her favorite book, you know, that she answers mm -hmm. his question. And I thought that was interesting. Um, I, You know, and then just, you know, Coach Beard, which, as they were quick to say, is that his nickname? Is that his last name? We don't know. Right. And it's not important. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I love his love life. And, uh, you know, the you know, we got to see the chess player last year. This year, we, we aren't quite sure who he is, but I always think he is such a, a not only comedy relief, but this, in a lot of ways, just this even keel for Ted and the whole show. Uh, truly, and considering he's one of the writers, I just think that's amazing. Any the thoughts on that, Coach Beard? I mean, when, when, you talk about he's he's so steadfast you know basically from from there but then 
you have him yelling at Ted that, you know, winning is important. Yes. You have him, you have him singing Lady Gaga for karaoke. Yes. <laughs> yes. You have, you know, him getting drunk and going crazy at the ball and starting the crazy dancing. And it yeah. just, so you can see that, you know, he shows the wilder side and, and I love it. That, those are when those moments come out, it's pretty great. Um, but, or, or the time where, where, He's talking about, um, you know, the the kind you have to pay for, and and Nate looks over at him and he says, "You paid for that? No, I've been paid." And yes, I, I couldn't stop laughing at that. It was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he's easily one of my favorite characters. Uh, I like that they deploy him tactically. Yes, like he doesn't have to be loud until you need him to be loud, but even still, it's not like. To analogize again, it's not like Worf on Next Generation where everything was delivered in the same tone, um, which worked great for Worf. But he can be silly and he can play along with Ted and he can rein Ted in, but it's all like within a couple steps of each other. So that when you see him yell at Ted at the bar, that winning's important. Like that's a giant moment. And they know when to do it and they're doing it so sparingly that if they have to do it again, it's still going to have impact rather than like if he were like that more and more often it would just it would just lose that i like how i like how smart and how complicated and how weird he is just you know just the idea that he plays that level of chess or that he's the one who reads or um still one of my my favorite parts from last season is where ted comes in and he's all messed up and nate looks at uh coach beard and says is is he okay and he's like no, he's exactly. Yeah. exactly. Like, it's just That's, this great delivery that it's, yeah. just, it's yes. broad, but it's still within that range of his. Well, that's what I want to say is, is that, you know, talk about the character all you want and how they write him and, and everything. But man, you've got to give so much credit to Brendan Hunt and how he plays it and, yes. and his delivery of those lines. Like, just like I was sitting here thinking that that delivery of no, and it's just his face and the sound and it just is, is absolutely perfect. And while I know it's a scripted show and I know he knew what he needed to say, the delivery was, was spot on, spot on coach. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I also love that often he is the translator um, because, you know, uh what was the line where Nate goes, was that a book or a movie? And he goes, both, you know, and, and, you know, he often is the one who has to explain something to him. Um, Really, really great. Um, So let's move on to uh, Rebecca and Keely and Roy. And the reason I grouped them together is we had the very um, odd double date you know, that, and, and Roy just kept going, another one. I need another one. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. Any thoughts about the our, our three? Oh, uh, Roy Kent is my other favorite character. Um, also <laughs> another one of the writers. I like that, right? Because I'm, I'm right about that, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't understand how you're that perfect in that role because that seems like a really, really complicated role. Like, it, yeah. I, I know that the, the arts cross over, but I just can't imagine anyone else playing that. Um, and he's another character that is really like his range is a little broader because we get to see him with his niece and we get to see him with Keely and we get to see um, we get to see him with Rebecca. But when he has that burst that says, no, it should be like a bolt of lightning yeah. uh, cleaned up for yeah. uh, PG audiences. Um, I, he can have those bigger outbursts, but he can have them about interesting things. And I'm really interested in his arc because I, 
I'm trying not to be writer boy on the show too much because when you do that, you start deconstructing things and like, it's not like I don't have actual problems with the season so far, but um, it's just, I would have thought that they would have made him a coach so they could keep him in the show and to make him a pundit is a lot different and more interesting. And it's really interesting to see them dealing with the arc of somebody who's awesome at something, trying to find something to replace that. Uh, I don't think you see a lot of that. And I think it's just a, it's a great arc. Um, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. The easy thing would have been to make him a coach, but instead, and, and I love the payoff of how good he is, even though, you know, salty language and how happy he is when he comes back to it, David. Yeah, no, you're right. The fact that he, he knew he was going to hate it. He was absolutely really just doing it to, to, appease Keeley and then he goes and he does it and he says exactly what he says exactly what he thinks about the whole situation and then that just turns out it, what it looks like appears to be very cathartic for him too and puts him into a new place and you're just so happy to see that and then the relationship between I don't think what I I don't think I would have thought that the relationship between Keely and Rebecca would have translated to then Rebecca and Roy the way it has, you know, he, he, he didn't seem to be kind of um, too excited to be going on the double date, but he, he didn't, he didn't push back as hard as you would typically see in, in that situation. And he didn't, you know, really roll his eyes any more than this character normally would. Cause obviously that's the character. But then like when he runs into her in this in this most recent episode where he runs into her outside of the doll store and and, you know, no, again, I think a lot of times a, a, a situation or a sitcom would would play that like, oh, gosh, now I've got to talk to this person. And that that absolutely wasn't the case. They have a relationship, too. And that's that's really, really good to see. You know, Jane Epstein, Jeff Epstein, Jane from the Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Um, she did a blog for a while about writing tips and, and everything. And one of the things she suggested if you're working on a spec script is to have two characters that don't normally interact, have them interact because it will give you a fresh dynamic. This show does that very well. Like you're in front of the doll shop. You and, know, and, you, you well, know. it does it very well and it does it often. Yes. You often see characters that you you don't you don't anticipate them having an interaction, then have an interaction. Yeah, and so I I appreciate that too. Yeah, um, I loved Roy coaching his niece. I think his, the relationship with his niece is just absolutely adorable. Um, you know, uh, you know, I know you have a goddaughter, Tom, and and you know, and I hope you are a little different when you visit with her but there well, is I, I swear like farscape with her, yeah so exactly um but it just she adores him and and i think it's even nice that like the the team mom just you got to be careful about calling them this even when they're acting like that and then the whole okay she made orange slices go you know it just this grumpiness yeah. that he truly adores that niece though and he's really proud of those girls. Yeah, he's he's just he's amazing. And I 
there's no you were saying about putting two characters together there are no two characters in the show that i don't want to have a scene together like i can't and the show is so good and did it so artfully in the first season where they took a a giant locker room full of people and then slowly let you know who they all were past the ones that you immediately needed to know about yeah like they they built it out with sam and everybody else so naturally that you know if Roy Kent starts hanging out with Rupert's wife, that'll be fine. It'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. She'll have depth I didn't expect and it'll be brilliant. Yeah. Where you have, like when you have last season, when you have Sam walking into Rebecca's office to ask her to join in because it's her team. And and that wasn't something that I expected. And again, there's so many times when, when I started watching the show initially, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for these tropes. I'm ready yes. for, and that what I think, and I think the people that don't, the people that don't like it, um, don't understand that, or, or, or the ones who say that they, they, they are not going to watch it because it's just blah, whatever. Yeah. It's because they, they assume the same things that I think we all thought initially, but we gave it a chance and they have not. And yeah. I think once you give it a chance and you, you think, okay, well, I know where this is going, and then it 100% goes the other way. It's so fascinating, and and bringing, like you said, those characters together and putting them all, you can you could throw them all, and it's like, all right, well, pull up name out of a hat. We're gonna have these characters interact now, like you know, you really the, could at the karaoke, mm-hmm. you know, at the karaoke scene, and just to see stuff like that. But oh god, I love it. Well, and you're right. Like you have the you know, it would have been easy for um, Rebecca's, you know, boyfriend to be a bore or someone who was, you know, you know, the closest they came to is him, you know, talking about his loyalty between whichever team was winning, which is a common thing, you know, and, uh, and or name dropping. Yeah. You know, and they could have played that up more, but but they didn't. They they yeah. They did in. that, so, and and yeah. I like that payoff where he's fine, right? He's fine. But why are you settling for fine? Yeah, which mm-hmm. was was a nice little payoff to me. Well, the fact that it came from Roy, yeah, was so huge because if, yes, if Keeley says that, it's like oh, it's girl talk, right? right? But but when it comes from Roy, who has no skin in the game, really, yes, that was so great. Yeah, it was. It really was. Um, any other thoughts? Uh, we, I think we're going to have a financial worry. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, they've kind of set that up. That, um, and I think a really good job of exposition, saying we were, um, you know, in on the very top level. I can't remember the different leagues, and now we're and on the premier another championship. Yeah, and so now that a championship, there's a less of a revenue stream. Mm-hmm but they're still playing. And so they're going to do this. Um, I do have a question and then we're going to move to the other players, but um, you mentioned a couple of things, Tom, that it's hard for you to turn your writer's hat off. And I want to hear those, but I had the, okay, why is Sam's dad so happy? I am pointing uh, all the, all the time when he's been wearing Dubai on his shirt. I mean, that seems inconsistent. There were, there were like two or three plot holes like that. 
yeah where yeah. not not plot holes but but just leaps of logic just right. like that and that's the yeah. problem like because yeah. sam keeps talking about how proud his dad is and how much good it is but then when his dad says oh you know why would you support because their own i'm like wait a minute why hasn't he been giving him a hard time about this all the time tom yeah so that there are there are two things that glitched on me over the first three episodes and that was the biggest one and especially for a show like ted lasso where it's streaming so if you need an extra minute you can take an extra minute the the texts from his dad are bad like they're they are insufficiently written because he asks do you know what they do and then without waiting for a response says i'm disappointed in you you can i'm sure that you can draw a line between you're playing on a team supported by a subsidiary of Evil Corp. And it's different if you're the face of Evil Corp because you, you have a connection to Nigeria that the other players don't have. And if he would have said that, that would have been fine. And also, I would have liked his father to be... You would have had to write it less judgmental so that he's not immediately attacking his son and more... I mean, look... People are bad in text all the time, but not having met his dad, you would just expect there to be more of an escalation rather than go to, I'm disappointed in you. You have brought dishonor to our family kind of thing. Right. Whereas just saying, hey, do you know that they're doing this? And then have it be a bigger thing because I, everything that happens before that scene and after that scene, I have no problems with. It's just that transition isn't, it's not quite right. David? Well, so that... That right there, that that transition, there, like you said, Tom, there's a couple of things that just don't. They, there's leaps of logic, and there's there's things that you want to see, like um, going back an episode where Ted tells Jamie, "No, you're not coming back," and then all of a sudden he's back after he's told Sam, "I want to see that scene where Lasso has to tell the." Sam specifically and the team I've made this decision he's coming back and we don't get to see that and I that, yeah that that's, that's the other one yeah I, um, I feel go ahead Tom oh uh and that scene is is doubly weird because there's a there's a time transition where yeah. it starts snowing and it gives you the impression that lots of time has passed and I can understand why I don't why you don't want to show the scene of Ted telling Sam that he's coming back. But what you need to have is a scene, and it was the scene I was hoping for in the third episode, where Sam says, when you told me he was coming back, I understood your reasons, but I didn't agree with them. Some, you know, but, you know, good. Um, some scene like that, because I find, it, I find it really hard to believe that the Ted who couldn't take Roy out of the starting lineup could violate that trust. Like, Ted would have told Sam it was happening. moments later. Just, yeah. just, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah right. that and cut was no, we're not bringing him back. Oh, here he is. Right. With no, and no time. Yeah. And that the look on Sam's face can either be you've betrayed me or I think this is a bad idea. And I've told you that, but we don't get to see which one it was. And right. I'm, I'm guessing it's the second, but I kind of need, I need them to at least acknowledge it. And, and, you know, I think as a viewer, my logic was, okay, he he made that commitment. Then, she, you know, Dr. Sharon's like, oh, maybe 
we do need to shake things up. And then he goes, all right. And then we have the surprise. Um, I, I do not like it when for this, because it feels to me that this was just written this way. So you have the surprise cliffhanger ending of Jamie coming on the field. And, and I don't, sometimes you get a good enough payoff. They're like, okay, I'm going to forget that because that one scene was so amazing. I want to see it. That wasn't that amazing of a scene. And I agree. I think you would have, you know, we did have all the coaches voting on whether Jamie should come back or not. And I like the idea that Higgins is like, you know, yes as for you know as the guy who's president of the club yes let's get another ace in here um i like that but i do think and especially as you talk about with roy not benching roy ted would not do this to the team Mm -hmm. unless he's just totally uh, you know and dr sharon is in his mind so much that she's just you know he's doing weird things and i just i i don't think they earn that yeah yeah, and it I feels don't... like there's a scene that maybe it was filmed, yeah, and it just didn't fit. I, I just there's yeah. there's there's something missing, and yeah. I don't know what it is. And it's it's in that second yeah. episode. There's something missing, and maybe maybe a flashback. Yeah, they haven't they haven't really utilized that. Yeah, that and so I don't know, but I mean maybe maybe something like that. Yeah the the second season cliffhanger or the second episode cliffhanger only works because it's a shock. Yeah. Because if you'd done a scene where Ted said, I'm bringing him back, you're not going to have that emotional resonance, but you do have to backtrack and show that Ted was still Ted. Right. Yeah, I agree. And that would have been okay at the beginning of episode three, like you said, Tom, and, and you mm-hmm. would have, you would have thought that would be the case. But even as Brendan Hunt, and Brendan Hunt said, if, if you had seen all three at the same time, if you had been able to binge the first three, like they thought, even then you still don't get that. No, I mean, right. I come back and I've, I've watched the third episode three times at this point, And I still don't get that. Yeah. There, that, that, that whatever it is, whatever scene is missing out of, out of that, out of that second episode, there's one other thing that I have a problem with in, in episode three about this whole, all right, we're going to put this tape over this and that's all great. You mean to tell me that there are no coaches in the locker room before the game? None. No yeah. one saw this coming. Yeah. And I'm sorry. What? Like, no. Well, it is similar to, um, you know, the sitcom coach, right? Um, they they tend to downplay the amount of coaches that would be on a professional soccer team. But, yes, I think that is a fair, you know, kind of nitpick that you have to hand wave. Um yeah, I- I would have liked to have seen somebody run up to Rebecca before they take the field, even if we don't hear what they say, because Rebecca's response to Sam is pretty um, loving. Yeah. Like she doesn't, she doesn't do the, uh, what did I call him on Twitter today? Schnate Nelly. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't do the Nate, like you're getting paid. You'll, you'll promote what we want. Yeah. It's, it seemed like she gave him that respect. If they're going to do this, they would probably have given her a heads up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do forgive a little bit because 
we get the great scene with Jamie and them bonding at the end, you know? So, yeah. and, and I do think these three episodes work really well as a, you know, a trilogy to reset. Um, I, I'm really glad Sam has more screen time. I thought he had some great gems in the first season where he talked about well you know when he refused the army man you know i have a different context of the u.s military you know and uh you know and the whole be a goldfish so i was glad to see him have a little more screen time and a bigger character um i also which who's the guy that's dutch I didn't Jan. get it. Yeah. Jan. Yeah. But I love that. You know, it's, it's, it's because he's Dutch. That's just, yeah. I, I'm blunt because of that. He's not being mean. He's yeah. He should be, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I thought that um, Danny's crisis in the first episode was funny, yet at the same time, you know, you could tell it was, he, he played that really well. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Football yeah. is death. Yeah, football <laughs> is death. <laughs> and so, uh, any other thoughts, uh, storylines? Uh, Chris, my son, said, okay, after the second season, you know, uh, like in the middle of the second episode, he's like, am I supposed to feel sorry for Jamie now? Like, I'm supposed to feel sorry for Jamie freaking Tark, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, um, I think... I think it's I think it's it was a clever way to get him back on the team mm -hmm. to have him not, you know, not, you know, not being welcomed anywhere else and kind of going. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, any other player uh, comments or scenes you want to share? Yeah, two. The first okay. is in season one, when Isaac becomes the captain and they look over at him and say, all right, Captain, count us in. It's Richmond on 12. Yes. That is my absolute favorite thing. And then when he skips eight. Yes. And then, and I, I swear I would love to know if that was written or not, because it, when you with the way that it was filmed, you can see Ted Lasso look over like, what? And, yes. and, and I don't know whether that was planned, but man, that's, that is a family favorite right there. And it's always mm -hmm. Richmond on 12. And yeah. we just... We do that, and um, and then O'Brien tore his butt. I don't know why, but and the, the callback, the callback in this episode. What O'Brien, your butt still torn? Yes, I just I loved it. I absolutely loved yeah. it. Yeah, uh, good, Tom. Anything? I I think I'd like to see a little more Isaac because he is a team yeah. captain. Um, I think there I think there are lots of places where I get why they did it with Sam because we like Sam more, mm -hmm. um, but Isaac should have more to say about what's going on. And I'm sure he does. It's just, we're not seeing it. And some of it is how much screen time you want to give everybody else, but he's, he's captain of the team. I need to see a little bit more of that. Yeah. I, I think well, well got, said. You've got some players like you've got, you've got Colin, you've got Zorro, you know, you've got, um, uh, John, Jan now yeah. and, and things. And, and so there's, these these characters, these same guys that they brought back, and then this one new guy, and I mean, just the fact that most of these character actors are all back, and it just these background guys, so great. It, at least the consistency there was was worth it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I thought it's really well done, um, and I love that um, you know the bar 
We've got, you know, oh, uh, you know, the May. owner May and then the May three, the you know, the yeah, May is great. Um, and then, you know, the three super fans, you know, that were just, you know, and the scene. Oh, look, I take it. So they're in my hands, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's they're they're great. And the bar scenes are fantastic. And even mm-hmm. like when they're always berating Ted and then like you were mentioning his wife and they walk in yeah. and she's like, oh, coach's wife. She's seen it all. That was. Yeah, that's was just really well done. All right, let's talk about some of the new characters. So, Tom, you mentioned you aren't sure on Doc, Dr. Sharon yet, if we're supposed to like her. Uh, expand on that a little bit. Yeah, she just doesn't, she doesn't blend yet. And I don't, uh, it did seem like they, they brought her in to be a sports psychiatrist really fast, especially for a team that has less money. It seems odd to make another hire like that. Uh, I think she's going to be ultimately, I think she's going to be interesting. And also those first episodes of 10 Ted Lasso or the first 10 episodes of Ted Lasso, give me a lot of leeway on what you're doing. Um, because, you know, it's like watching Pixar films, huh? You're going to do something about a jazz player. Well, everything else has been awesome. Why should I worry about it? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm waiting for them to, to make a serious mistake. I don't want them to. Uh, but because of that, it, it does let me turn a few things off and go, okay, I don't get it. I don't know where this is going. I'll probably like it when I get there. Okay, good. David? Yeah, I mean, with Dr. Sharon, like when, when Ted, Ted tries to bring her the biscuits and she's like, I don't eat sugar and things. And you're just like, mm, what's happening? And, and, I, but I, and it's, it's tense, but I do enjoy it too because it seems real. There's not everyone is going to to fall for his charm. Not everyone is going to be roped in. Obviously, his wife got tired of it. Uh, whatever whatever other flaws he may have, uh, it doesn't sound like it's not because he's a great lover. Because Sassy has now explained <laughs> that to us. Yes, in detail. He's very um, eager. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I mean, like I said, just is there's something there. But but having her as this foil, as this counterpoint. The thing that I that I'm most intrigued to see is okay, she's not falling for his charm essentially, but she's starting to because she did say you can call me doctor and or yes. doc, you know, yes. and things like that. So she's starting to do that. But I think what's going to be most important, I mean, especially over these next however many have we have left, is it seven or nine? I can't remember if it was 10 or 12 for this I season. Think it, I think it's 12. So it I think down. it is too. Okay. Yeah. So, so what I'm curious to see then is, is his arc, because like I said, he's still got some dark stuff going on in there. Uh-huh. He talked about like when he was talking with Jamie, uh, I think he, yeah, he was talking with Jamie about, you know, how his dad was harder on himself than he was on him. There's something there too. I want to see that explored. And I think that that's really what Sharon is going to be able to provide is, is that just something different than what thing, what coach beard or Rebecca would be able to do. I think Sharon is going to be able to say something different. Mm-hmm. Um, one character that we haven't seen in these first three episodes that I'm curious is Rupert because there's a baby coming. What's I, I want this episode. Where's this baby? I want to see this baby that was such a shock to Rebecca yeah. in, in the end of last season. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, uh, go ahead. I, I think I'd like to, but I'm not sure because I, I feel like 
Rupert would start to be reformed in a second season, and I'm okay with him being the bad guy. Yeah. Like, like I or I he just continues on that bad yes. path, and that's okay too. Yeah, but I'm I'm okay with him being bad around adults. If he's bad around a baby, that it becomes yeah. a whole different level of evil. You, or he is, could be a loving father yeah. and still be just a yeah. big jerk to, to Rebecca true. and and the rest of the the rest of the team. So, so I really like they paid off um, bringing in Nora. Um, we we talked a little bit before you joined us, Tom. Um, before we started recording is that Chris was oh great the surly teenager and then he immediately went oh wow she ended up being a really interesting character Um, I think it's really nice the the payoff because you know when Sassy talked about look you have to own part of this that you left your you know right my daughter your goddaughter thinking she had done something wrong and uh, I think that's interesting, them trying to get it to get, you know, go together, her taking her for tea and realizing, okay, everyone's, you know, six or seven, and what am I doing with this teenager? I just thought that was a really nice scene, and I really love the character. Tom? Yeah, uh, they're doing a really good job writing her as a kid, but a smart kid. Yes. And a nice kid. Like, she's not mean to Rebecca when she takes her for tea. Yeah, like she she sees what's happening, but it's kind of boring, and yeah. you know doesn't need the doll. But yeah, um, also she's so star starstruck by Sam, which is just such a like that reaction is so on point for that age group um, that I think it's it's just so charming to see, and that Rebecca Rebecca knows that she's embarrassed by it but knows that she really wants to do it and will push her over it and i I mean the the weirdest part of the whole story honestly is that that roy kent had the best essentially like anting advice um yeah that rebecca took to heart and it's like i like seeing her try and i like seeing nora respond to it like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's an adversarial relationship they're just trying to smooth over some bumps and that's a it's a much more natural realistic relationship but that's not necessarily what you see on tv all the time yeah for sure yeah i mean that's that's exactly right and and to see like the little dig that she does get in at the tea shop where she was like all right i'm gonna go pay the bill you're coming back though right yeah yeah why why do you ask well because i just didn't know you're gonna leave for six years again yes and i I was like all right that's there's your shot and yeah and then that was really the the kind of end to that and she she said what she needed to say now she moved on and then you see them bond and you know they're in bed together writing this email to the to the owner of cerithium oil which touch on that for a second do 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 you guys do you guys get that part i i I didn't immediately. I had to read it. Um, but do you get why that's so no, clever no. and funny? No, please tell no. me. I don't. So yeah. Shell Oil is a big player in ruining Nigeria and other uh, lands okay. for that. And Cerithium is a shell. Oh, oh okay. Very that, nice. That's how, yeah, that's how like it all that. came back. Yeah. That's and so very clever. That's how they can, they can, have that on point social commentary and do it 
in that in that way it was it was pretty brilliant but i didn't catch it when i first read it i was like something something is not right and then i read it and i was like oh that's brilliant that is greatness Mm -hmm. um i also love it's a minor thing but the whole um britain we do orphan dolls really badly right like that (laughs) was just the kind of once again just the thrown off there she's from the new line she was canceled her parents were canceled (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. man yeah that was great and I also love the fact that Roy is friends with this yoga group, you know, and that, yeah, you know, that was a moms. great way to show that, you know, he's just drinking the wine and seeing, you know, the reality TV. And, you know, I think that's just it, the added depth of him. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I, like I said, I just rewatched episode three for the third time. And there was, there was something that I didn't really, it didn't strike me in the first viewing, but on the second viewing, I really laughed out loud. And then the third viewing, I just cackled. But there's a moment when Jamie is apologizing to the team and, and and he's like, you know, does anyone have anything to say? And there were two moments, one where the, the Cumberbatch kid goes, you hit on my, you, you hit on my mom in front of my dad. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry. Tell your dad, I'm very sorry. And, Say hi to Janet for me, or just not just yeah, exactly. Janet. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I laughed so hard at that; it was so great. And then he says, "You know, is there anyone else?" And they all start screaming at him. And J- John Yon goes, "I don't know you, but I don't like you." Yeah. <laughs> and and the guy in uh, French, right? And like, well, it yeah. sounded better in French. Yes, yeah, it sounded good. better in French. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, uh, any other? thoughts uh over the first three episodes anything you want to share uh anything that we Um, haven't covered yeah i i really like the jamie tart redemption story because i like that he's doing everything like jamie tart yes he yeah he knows what he has to do he's just doing it like jamie tart does it and that's not what he needs to do but it's not it's not that he's dense to what's going on it's that he doesn't know how to do the thing the way normal people or these people should be doing it and two let me throw my hat in the ring right now i will totally write the sassy spinoff because i love that character <laughs> oh i and love that yeah. character too it, it, yeah. it reminds she reminds me of when Celia ward showed up on house mm-hmm. because in with house house was house was playing a different game than everybody else and he's smarter and cleverer and then when you see Celia ward show up you're like oh crap you can keep up with him yeah. Like you and the two of them when they met in the hotel are just perfect and that the that hasn't gone away. Like I want to see they don't need to, but I I would be fine seeing more of that relationship because I just I like that character. I like that actress. I like uh the I like the way she delivers her lines. I like the lines they give her. It's just it's just a delight. Yeah, she is very very likable, very sexy. And and I, I also love the fact that, you know, the three of them together, Rebecca, Keely, and Sassy, right? There was no, they were just, they immediately bonded. They're friends and it was good. So yeah, I like that. Good. Also, by the, by the way, I like that there's no secret about Sassy and Ted. Yeah. Like there, this but isn't, also, this isn't, this wasn't going to be a bomb in the relationship. It was yeah. like right out there in the open. All right, yeah. yeah, but keep that. But so go back to go back to what is it, episode eight or seven or eight, whatever they they you know eight yeah. diamond dogs, and uh, it, the the issue is 
that he he asked he asked the diamond dogs should i tell rebecca and they're like no and so you never see that that said and then you don't know whether it is when he walks in but obviously that's already been discussed yes and so again that's another scene it's one of those things where i wish i had seen that i wish i had seen how that happened who said it was it ted to rebecca was it sassy to rebecca how did that play out it's also another very clever where they kept it pg but it was just on the edge where is she my daughter look and if i remember correctly oh it, they stop you know you you yeah. finished on yeah uh, yeah it, exactly it, yeah exactly. That, that was very interesting um all right uh any final thoughts we'll start with you david you know i, I like i said it was probably five minutes into i guess it was probably 10 minutes into that first episode of the first season the comment about he goes into Rebecca's office and any kind of, any kind of Chino. Uh, well, how do you take your tea? Normally I take it right back to the counter because something has gone horribly wrong. That is the moment where I realized that I love this show. And I, I'm, that's where I was cackling and rewinding like three or four times. That was the moment that hooked me and I haven't stopped since. And so I, I just hope that this continues and I'm looking forward to, getting together and talking about this again because I love this show so much I could talk I could talk for hours about each episode and some of the line deliveries and I just absolutely love it yeah um, I'll get to you just in a minute Tom what I, I was thinking about the when Jamie brings the little army man and says I named him Ted after Ted Danson and they talk about oh yeah you know just a quick thing about he's had a you know cheers and the good place and you know and all this and like this little banter that truly does not move the story a far ahead at all it's just a little riff that's just entertaining yeah. and, and i just love i i hope they continue to do that i think they will that's part of the style of the show mm-hmm. but it's just really just that's a little gem which is very aaron sorkinish mm-hmm. i uh, wonder I wonder how that will play when I rewatch the episodes more. Yeah. Because I think in the first episode, I felt like they were doing that a little too much. Okay. Um, but it may just be that that was front loaded into what essentially should have been a 90 minute episode. And I wouldn't yeah. have noticed that otherwise, because coming back from that season, I was super observant of everything yeah. and worried about everything. And what are you going to right. do wrong? And what are you yeah. going to do right? It's interesting, David, when you talk about the, the scene that hooked you, because the, the, the tea scene for me plays much better on a rewatch because it's one of the few times you see Ted express negative emotions about something. And he still does it very Ted like, mm-hmm. but it's one of the places he's like, no, this is bad. No, yeah. no this, you yeah. should not have this. Yeah. Um, this, the scene that actually sold me on the show and I'll try to keep it PG too, is when he's talking to Healy and he says, how do you motivate Jamie? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> his response to her answer is not, well, that's not going to work. He doesn't, right. he doesn't bat her away. He basically does like the, the improv yes and, and he's like, we're going to have to find something else, you know, yeah. but yeah. he's not, he's not telling her yeah. her response is bad. He's building on that to give a better response. Yeah. And, well, you know, and that's and when you really that, see him as a manager. That happens so often, like where you would think it would be this, the response would be this in real life, yeah. but then it's this and that's, how you want it to happen. And, and I got to be honest, I had found myself trying to 
in my real life and in my interactions at work, et cetera, try to respond in a different way. And, and that's, that has helped me. I have to admit, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I keep pointing to the dart scene from the yes. first season because the entire be curious, not judgmental, I think is it. I think Ted Lasso is a perfect storm because I don't know if there weren't a pandemic if people would have found it the way that they did. And I don't think they would have been ready for it the way that, like, I don't think people need, realize they needed a Ted Lasso. Right. Yeah. They needed, they needed something that effectively was like, you know, a Mr. Rogers or, you know, a Tom Hanks TV series or something, you know, something like that. And I just like, I'm amazed by that thought. And it just applies to so many things where there's just, too many people just assuming things and not listening to other people when like you can yeah it's it's just it's the message that the world needs in a way that i didn't think it expected i i totally agree with that and for me i was liking the show a lot but i became in love with the show when trent writes the article about mm-hmm. ted yeah and when yeah. he says, you know, I, they will be regulate, or regu- regu- regulated, regulated, yeah. Yeah. Rele- relegated, relegated, but I won't be happy about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and you like, this guy truly does care about this. And, and, and we get a great payoff later when coach is like, these are professionals. You do have to care about winning, yeah. but yeah, I love that. Well, um, this, way, the, um, the one thing that ahead. I would say, go ahead. It, Okay, I'm going to make my prediction because I want this on the record. Okay. Uh, in season two, you will have guest appearance by Alfonso Ribeiro. Okay. Because right. there, there's, in watching season one again, there's way too much reference to the Carlton. I feel like he needs to be in it somewhere. I never oh, know how to respond when a grown man does the Carlton in front of me. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be awesome. I would love that. All I right. Any, David, I, how, I, I you got say, any predictions? Um, predictions... Yeah, I think we're going to. I think we're going to see Rupert return. I think. I think you can't have that character. Plus, the the actor is so great, and he is and so amazing. Yeah, I mean, you you want him back, and and uh, so I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see um, the continuation of of this darkness that this this obviously this lead tasso um, is is in there, and I think that that. Is, is going to be explored potentially more and we'll have to see how Dr. Sharon kind of handles that. I did want to say that, you know, from the media standpoint, what we've seen is, is everyone talks about, you know, to Tom's point and is how, how um, wholesome it seems to be, or we weren't all ready for that. But I say that, and my favorite character is Roy Kent, yes. who every other word is an F-bomb. Yes. And I love it. And yes. that's, that's the thing. It's like, we all talk about how it's, it's, it's the Mr. Rogers, but it is the 21st century version of Mr. Rogers where we get to have those F-bombs. And I, I really love that. Yeah. I, you know, Friday Night Lights was more than about football. And I say Ted Lasso was more than about a fish out of water and, and, you know, an American coach coaching European soccer. Uh, it's just really something special. Um, and my hope is 
you know, I'm going to predict that they, they will start winning and they will go up to the next league. I think that will be the storyline for the third season, but uh, we will see. Um, if someone wants to reach you, David, how can they? I'm on Instagram and on Twitter at Blind Nello. Okay. And Tom, you mentioned you're a writer and an artist. Tell us how we could find some of your fine work. Well, as somebody whose car just died, let me tell you that you can go to patreon.com slash Tom Zoller and read new issues or new pages of Love and Capes every week, uh, along with a bunch of other stuff. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Tom Zoller, Instagram at, at Tom Zoller, and TomZ.com, T-H-O-M-Z.com. Uh, that's got all my stuff. Uh, you can read, uh, I write a lot of romantic comedies. I, I, I write stuff that aspires to be Ted Lasso, so it won't, uh, it won't fill those six days in between, but it might distract you from that. And uh, I will give a, a shout out. Um, Tom took... Uh, COVID and has done a a love and capes is COVID is happening in their yeah. world and he has made it entertaining um, and also has spoken a lot of things we're all frustrated about so I recommend strongly check out his patron I am at Jesse Jackson DFW on uh, Twitter you can hear me talk to um fans of Bruce Springsteen from around the world on Set Lusting Bruce. Uh, we are coming up in September will be our sixth anniversary. Um, I did not ask Tom to do a new logo. He did a great <laughs> fifth anniversary logo. Uh, so please check that out for now. Uh, we'll be back in about three weeks. Uh, I think that's a nice little, we'll do three at a time. Mm-hmm. And we'll do that. But Tom, uh, David, thank you so much. I cannot think of more enjoyable people to spend an hour and a half talking about one of my favorite shows. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh Yeah, it's my pleasure. All right, listeners, please go get vaccinated. Stay safe, wear a mask. Let's all get through this so we can do this together. And for now, thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. (laughs) And we're on in five seconds. Four, three, two, What a match. Manchester United beat Chelsea 1-0 in a result that drops Chelsea out of the European places and lands United in the top three for now. Chris, was this a case where United won the match or that Chelsea lost it? United just had that extra sharpness in the final third. But I thought both teams played really well. George, a real even battle. You know, it's football at its finest. Roy Kent, ex-Chelsea legend, joins us. Welcome, Roy. Hmm. Right, um, what did you think? Did your former club play well? No, I thought they played like shit. <laughs> uh, our apologies to the viewing audience, Roy Kent, with some salty language. Would you care to elaborate, Roy? All right. Chelsea was shit today. <laughs> shocking. Watching them, you'd never know they were playing at home. They were too timid, they were too respectful of United. They were lucky they didn't lose by three or four or ten. That's harsh, Roy. United's been on a good run recently. Who gives a shit, Chris? (laughs) That's no excuse to play like you're afraid of them. You could see it in their faces. Abject terror, like children waiting in line for the handsy father Christmas. Have some f***ing pride in your shirt or don't f***ing wear it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is how you do it. 
I enjoy his candor. Again, we apologise for almost every word Roy just said. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.